Hello, FPL managers. Welcome again. This is the 15th episode of the FPL Optimized podcast. What a shocking game week it has been for many of us. Big at the back didn't deliver big scores, to say the least. Congrats to the people who did well and to the rest of us. Let's remember it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I'm telling that to myself as well, by the way. In our podcast, we aim to give you weekly updates in which we combine analytics with the good old eye test. I'm Bas, the casual manager, and my co-host is Sirtop, the data scientist. Data or grass, or data and grass, that's the question. Today, we'll talk about our own teams and plans briefly again, but as last time, we'll dedicate most time to zoom in to some of the main questions FPL managers are facing, and we'll provide the analytics perspective on it. Thanks for all the questions that came in via Twitter. We'll certainly answer many of those today as well. So let's kick it off. Sirtop, good to be here with you today again. How are you doing? How did your team perform? And also, by the way, I read that you're a member now of the Elite 1000. So congratulations. And tell us a bit more about that. Hi, Bas. It's good to be here again. Felt like this game week was never going to end. Let me start with the Elite 1000. So as you might know, there are always attempts to identify good FPL managers and everyone has a different way of doing it. As you might guess, there is also an analytical way of doing it. Uh, FBI reviewed the website. We use projected points data in this podcast. Uh, they scan all FBI managers and evaluate their decisions uh, using three cr- criteria. The first one is the projection data. So how much your team was supposed to get in terms of projected points. The second one is your underlying stats. So things like expected goals, for example, you know, how much your team could have gotten based on the chances they generated in the game. And they also use the actual FPL outcome, how many points you got at the end. And then they sort managers and top thousand of those managers are called elite thousand. Uh, these managers are used as a benchmark uh, in their website. It's great to enter elite thousand after two seasons because yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, I wasn't yeah expecting to be honest. Mm. Uh, even though I play with analytically, so I follow the projected points. So I mm. was hoping to enter maybe after three seasons, but doing it after two seasons is great. Uh, Cool. Yeah, pressure is on now to keep the status Mm -hmm. this season. And looks like my team has the highest expected value among other Elite Thousand managers this season so far who haven't used any chips. Uh, But I am ahead with a very tiny margin. So Hmm. let's see if I can keep it for longer because usually Hmm. what it takes to lose it is just an injury and then your team starts to crumble and then everything goes bad. Okay. Um, For game week, yes, it was a really interesting game week. I think I will Hmm. remember this game week for a long time. (laughs) Yeah, Most of the popular picks, or I should say the template, got no points at all. I mean, defenders, they were terrible. Yeah. It was really interesting to see City to tie and concede three mm-hmm. goals and Liverpool to lose Manchester United. Uh, crazy. Yeah. I finished Indeed. with 44 points mm. and I think my game week rank was around 6.3 million. So yeah, mm-hmm. certainly not optimal. <laughs> no, no. So yeah, it's not that bad though. Like even though it felt like a you know disaster, um, yeah. most people didn't get any points too as the popular picks right. failed. Um, I think I lost only two or three points against the field, so against the FPL average. So yeah. ranks are still quite packed. So it's not like, mm. you know, one of the picks, you know, took off and then all the remaining people got behind. It's like we all did terrible. <laughs> so that yeah. we are at the same place as the last game week, roughly. Um, for yeah. my team, yeah, I don't think I have a serious issue besides like Gordon. I bought mm. last game week and he's... yeah. I think Chelsea is interested to transfer him. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh did, yeah. You, did you have that in mind when you bought him, that he might move? I, I think I knew it could be a problem oh, okay. for his minutes. So I was, I got him as a very like, short-term pick, but oh, okay. yeah, I might need yeah. to sell him. But how was your game week in general? Yeah, you know, in the same boat as you. Um, actually, my Saturday was really decent. I had 21 points from four players, so mm-hmm. I had a feeling that I had a good start. But then Sunday was a, yeah, it was a shocker. You know, I had three Chelsea players, James, Cucurella and Mount, and yeah, they all failed. 
And then later on, my two city defenders, Cancelo and Walker, didn't help me much either. So yeah, it was it was not much fun on Sunday. And then luckily on Monday, there was uh, Mo Salah scoring a goal, which gave me some uplift as I captained him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, of course, I wasn't alone. You know, he's he's highly owned, but still it helped. And well, I ended on 42 points, still quite close to you. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, it was, it was not really good. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, it also was clear again how much variance and, and luck is in play. I mean, I was w- watching the Spurs game. And at some point, Kulu had a great cross to Kane, who had it against the bar. So, you know, if that would have gone in, then, yeah, my game week would already have been quite brilliant. So <laughs> it just takes one attack, right? And yeah, then true. the same in the Leeds game, where Mount had, had a good shot after 20 minutes at, at still a 0-0 score. And Meslier just saved it. So, you know, it's these small things which can really have a big impact. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, still, the team still looks quite good. But it was just a bad, a bad week. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's FPL, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and from an eye test perspective, I, I had three observations which I wanted to share. Maybe we can spend some time on later on and to hear your perspective. So I think the first one is that Leeds really looked amazing. And to be honest, I didn't expect that at the start of the season. Uh, it was a fun game to watch. Um, well, actually, it was it was not a fun game to watch <laughs> for someone with three Chelsea players. But in general, it was a good game, especially <laughs> from Leeds. And uh, Jesse Marsh, as a coach, I think, yeah, wow, he really has a plan, and and the he you know he really got the team behind it. They were really working hard, a lot yeah. of energy in the team. So I think going forward, players like Rodrigo, Rodrigo and Harrison, uh, they look like quite uh, good options. Um, so yeah, the second observation from the same game is that Chelsea were, were really poor. And, you know, it's a bit strange because last week we probably said the opposite thing after the game against Spurs. But uh, this this game wasn't good. But again, on the other hand, you know, Mandy made a really bad mistake. And I think that didn't help because I think Chelsea, were, yeah, they were under pressure, but they were doing okay-ish before that. And then they conceded the 1-0, which I think just boosted Leeds' confidence and, and you know, it had the opposite effect on the Blues. And I think with Kante injured and now Koulibaly suspended, it's probably not looking so good for the Chelsea defense. And then the third observation, man, what happened to Liverpool, right? <laughs> uh, Trent and Robo, they are still going forward, but they seem to offer a bit less threat than before. And at the same time, they don't manage to keep clean sheets. So, yeah, it's, it's really uh, different than last season. And, yeah, I think everyone will keep their Liverpool defenders with the Bournemouth game coming up. But after that, I think you could consider moving funds elsewhere. And also Salah, he was quite quiet. Um, the goal kind of came out of nowhere. And, yeah, it proves again that Salah is always a good captain option. But looking at the full game, yeah, you could wonder, I think, if he still, you know, is he worth 13 million? Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you just saw that one game, you, you could wonder. Yeah, I mean, no Salah is a dangerous territory, so I should, you know, yeah. legally I have to warn you. That's pretty much what <laughs> Andy Martin, the FPL underscore tactician, was saying at the beginning of the season. Probably Salah is too expensive at 13 million. So, I mean, I kind of disagree because Salah has lots of potential. Yeah. I, mean, I can imagine lots of people might drop him in their first wildcard, though, because, I mean, people... <laughs> are not usually patient in FPL because you have a limited time to play this game, so you don't want to spend your time on c- certain players. I yeah. Especially about the Liverpool defenders, I don't know, maybe Trent too. Uh, projection models will always like those players because they have great baseline and yeah. models ke- see them as you know great options. But yeah, watching the Liverpool game was pretty pretty upsetting as a fan and mm-hmm. yeah i also agree your comment about leads they look great um any plans for next game week then yeah well i think i'll do nothing which uh often is the most difficult thing to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean it's quite tempting to hit the wild card button and to change things but no yeah as i said i think the team looks quite good uh, i brought in some chelsea guys and i had the the next game the leicester game in mind uh, even though, yeah, Leicester has Madison in good form, so uh, it might be difficult to keep a clean sheet for Chelsea. But I think attacking-wise, there will be opportunities for the Blues, and it's also a home game. Uh, Liverpool will play Bournemouth, so again there, that's a great fixture for the Reds. Spurs are away uh, to Nottingham, so I think I'll keep Kane and Kulu. 
and then City at home to Crystal Palace and Arsenal at home to Fulham. So yeah, I don't think there's really a reason to make many changes. But as I said, going forward, I think I would like a Leeds player. Um, they're going to Brighton now, which I think is a more difficult fixture. Brighton is doing really well. Um, so uh, yeah, I can be a bit more patient. And I think also I need to focus on strengthening my bench as the number of fixtures are going up. So I think we will start to see more rotation. Um, but it's probably something we'll talk about later. And uh, yeah, I was thinking about selling Trent to move funds elsewhere. But yeah, as you know, I didn't have Trent last year and it really hurt me because you know, he's so highly owned. And yeah. once he gets going, then of course, yeah, I, there, there are a lot of points coming from him. But yeah, looking back at the first three game weeks, it wouldn't be that bad <laughs> if I didn't have him this time. But yeah, true. Yeah, well, as I said, I think with Trent, we can be sure that the points will come at some moment. Uh, but yeah, maybe for short term, it could be possible to drop to, to to drop him. Let's let's see. What's uh, what's your plan? I ran the solver last night to see if there's any major moves I can pull with only one free transfer. Uh, well, mm-hmm. Gordon was a very short term pick as I mentioned, and I want to. Yeah. Well, I I might keep him for you know at most one or two game weeks, but yeah, selling him immediately is a plan too. Mac Allister of Brighton might be a nice pick, although his projection points are not very promising. Okay. Yeah. Well, I might get lucky with a return yeah. with him. Although same thing applies to Gordon too, of course. We will see. But I'm testing some uh, new optimization options, and I will probably talk about them later. Perhaps I don't know. Maybe next episode. Okay. That's great. And that's also, I think, enough about our own plans. Um, So let's shift gears and let's look at some general trends and questions. And first, let's take again a look at the next game week predictions. Uh, What does the data say for next game week? Who are the top players and what are the teams to target? Let's start with talking about clean sheet predictions first. Uh, Based on Mm -hmm. FBI reviews, massive data model. That is the premium version of the uh, projection models, by the way. So best clean sheet ratio for the next game week belongs to Liverpool, surprisingly, with 64% against Bournemouth and Mm -hmm. City with 55% against Crystal Palace. So, well, Liverpool defense is a little bit shaky and then Crystal Palace has good attacking options. So at least for Liverpool, this this one should be an easier fixture. Yeah. So one thing to keep in mind that we will have midweek game week, this starting after game week four. So there's only three right. days between game week four deadline and game week five deadline. And just hmm. three days until game week six deadline after that. So right. we will have three deadlines in seven days, so which means some teams might go for rotation. And if there are players with risky minutes, it might be a good idea to think a backup plan or maybe just, you know, have better bench players so that yeah. you can have auto you can have auto swap points. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh rotation will certainly come into play from now. And I think if you consider all the competitions including the cup games and also Champions League, uh the big teams will have midweek fixtures from now until the World Cup in November if if I'm not mistaken. So mm-hmm. That's correct. you know, yeah. it will be really busy. So indeed, I think you need at least two good options on your bench. And for me, it's something to fix, as currently I only have Bailey and then two non-playing attackers. So that's certainly something I need to take a look at. I think for the defense, uh, yeah, for me, the City score against Newcastle was a bit of an outlier, if you you could call it like that. I think Newcastle did really well. They proved that they are a strong team. But going forward, I think we can still keep uh, confidence in the City defense. Even though you're right, of course, Palace uh, won't be an easy game either. Uh, well, Liverpool is a different story. I think they, they seem to lack some confidence. At least that's how it looked like to me. Uh, they also seem to to lack some energy. Uh, Robo and Trent, they don't look as dangerous as usual. Van Dijk, he looks a bit more static. Yeah, and of course, they still have some injuries. So, mm-hmm. ah, well, I think we can still be confident with the Bournemouth game. But after that, I'm, I'm not so sure. Um, they will face Newcastle, which is a tough one. Yeah, then it's Everton and Wolves, which are two sides who struggle to score goals. So, yeah, I mean, you could still keep faith. Um, but I also think it could make sense to move some funds, especially if you have a Liverpool defensive double up. Um, was there anything else in the data you would like to mention? Yeah, I know quite a bit 
number of people have Leicester goalkeepers, you know, as both as their main and then the bench goalkeeper, and they are playing against Chelsea, and they have only nine percent clean sheet probability. So it might be a good week to think about replacing one of them, perhaps, uh, and you, they can consider Sanchez, the Brighton goalkeeper, who has a solid thirty-three percent chance of keeping a clean sheet this this game week, and his. Projected points are pretty good too, for the price point, of course. Um, now let's talk about the best uh, projections, you know, at the player level. So, well, Salah is at at the top as usual with nine point six projected points. Uh, he's the optimal captain by a margin with current data, uh, because second player is Alexander Arnold uh, with seven points. So there's two point six points between Salah and the rest of the players. Well. Although I wonder if it will drop a bit after the model gets updated with the market predictions, um, because I mean part of it should be coming from the clean sheet probability, and I I feel like yeah he might lose some of those points, maybe not a significant one, but yes, a little bit. And Holland and Kane bought around 6.6 .6 projected points, and Son is at six, uh, and Jesus at 5.9. So Salah is clear optimal for captaincy. Yeah, among mid-price midfield options, that's always the question, right? So um, Diaz is ahead with 6.3 points, Saka is at 5.7, so as you see, there's a 0 0.6 points, projected points between them, and then Martinelli is at 5.4 as the third best uh, uh, midfielder on that category. Well, as far as I can see, Martinelli is slightly ahead of Mount, even... Foden, whose projected point is 4.7, but that's partly because Foden has lower minute predictions compared to others, because Pep was, <laughs> you know, mad again for the mod Foden for not passing, and so, yeah, he's at 70 projected minutes right now, and all the other options I have just mentioned, they are above six 75 minutes, well, and, you know, lower projected minutes is usual for City players. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think it all makes sense. Uh, yeah, as you said, there are a few people who are saying that Pep is losing some patience with Foden as he failed to pass the ball to Haaland mm -hmm. a couple of times now uh, when Haaland was in a goal-scoring position. But yeah, it could also be just gossip, I think. <laughs> Let's yeah. see. Uh, but something that was really interesting from an eye test perspective, I think, was that how City lined up. Uh, with both Gundogan and, and Bernardo Silva in the team because I think people were saying that Gundo, uh, he had the spot because Bernardo Silva was rumored to leave but in fact now they play together which I think could make Gundogan uh, an even yeah, even more so a great option going forward and the victim of it is likely uh, Grealish because yeah he, he lost his spot but at the same time, as we said, there are a lot of fixtures coming up, and with Pep Roulette, uh, <laughs> you know, he will still uh, he will still surely get his minutes. Yeah, a small note here: uh, the trend in data reflects your point. Uh, around August 12th, Bernardo's game week four projected minutes dropped significant significantly from 50 to 20 minutes because of the okay. you know transfer uh, discussions. And Gundogan yeah. had a nice bump from 50 to mid 60s. Mm -hmm. And after uh, after August 17th, Gundogan lost some. Uh, same with Grealish after it became clear that Bernardo is staying. And yeah. after this game week's game, however, projected minutes for Grealish dropped from 60 to right. 40. Okay. Which, you know, so I was just checking the data and I realized, yeah. wait a second, yeah, they have both played. Whose minutes have dropped? And you're right. So And the Gundogan's minutes jumped from 50 to 60. So... Yeah, he okay. became a good option again. All right. Well, it's good to see that my eye test observations are <laughs> confirmed by the data. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy with that. So, yeah, last week you mentioned how the values are changing in the data based on the results. And, um, yeah, we had some feedback from the listeners that they appreciated that section in our podcast. So let's take a look at that data again. Are there any updates you noticed this week? Yeah, certainly. We have also received the feedback on sharing the, those values for defense and offense separately, which I right. will do this time. Uh, right. And just to remind what we are doing here, we are comparing some of projected points of uh, last week and some mm -hmm. of projected points right now for the next, like the, for the upcoming game week. 
And so it helps us to understand how the sentiment has changed regarding team ratings or baselines. Because if a total projected points is increasing for a team in a week, it's a good indicator that the model was kind of underestimating the team a week ago. Or in other words, Mm. team has a positive trend for future fixtures in the market. So this way we can have a better way to understand how fixture difficulty ratings are also changing because it should be a dynamic thing as the teams yeah. keep changing in you know their performance instead of yeah. you know using a static one. Yeah. So let me start with the total points first. Uh, biggest rises from last week to this one is Nottingham Forest with plus two and Leeds okay. United with plus one. And mm-hmm. third place is Tottenham with plus 0.9. Um, and so, again, here I'm comparing the sum of projected points for game week four. So the predictions for this game week, a week a week ago and now. Right. So as you see, well, I assume this, this one doesn't even need an explanation. I mean, 3-0 yeah. against, win against Chelsea was pretty unexpected. And so yeah. model just, you know, yeah. updated the pre- predictions. In yeah. terms of points per 90 minutes, so a slightly different way to measure. Mm-hmm. Uh, biggest riser is Manchester United with plus 0.2 to okay. 26, actually. Uh, yeah. Second best, best is Tottenham with 0.07. So as you see, there's a kind of a difference between those two. So Manchester United is an outlier. And, well, you can already see that market's view of United changed <laughs> overnight. So yeah, they lost better. confidence yeah. last week and then regained just after one game, which is very interesting. <laughs> yeah, biggest losers of that category are Southampton with minus, zero, minus 1.6, Everton with minus 1.5, and Liverpool with minus 1.3 points. Okay. I also see Arsenal in fourth position with minus one, although... It, it yeah. was a little bit surprising given the mm. game they had. I mean, it's the and it's the same case in terms of points per ninety. So yeah, I'm not okay. sure why. Okay. So for offense and defense, I will stick with points per ninety minutes while talking uh, now because when formations change, for example, Southampton did it this game week, so they had uh, three defenders instead of four. In terms of yeah. FPL classification, by the way. So the, yeah. the values doesn't match up. So I use mm. points and then I divide total points to the total minutes to get points per, uh, well, 90 minutes. Right. And okay. In defensive points, biggest riser is Tottenham with okay. 0.15 and then Manchester United and then mm. Leeds United both with 0.12. So... Their defense seems to get uh, an increase in terms of the rating. And then the biggest losers are Southampton, Wolves, and Arsenal. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't understand. Probably, maybe... Well, Arsenal's defense is still good, but maybe model was overestimating it a little bit. I'm not okay. I'm not sure. Oh, it's a strange one, because they yeah. kept a clean sheet again. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised, yeah. yeah. I assume the minute uncertainty is affecting the values a bit because Tomiyasu and Tierney drop from uh, like 40 to 60 projected minutes to 20 minutes oh, now. Okay. So, right. Yeah. That could make an impact. All right. Mm-hmm. And in offense, you can easily guess who got the biggest increase. It is <laughs> Manchester United <laughs> with yeah. 0.45 points per 90 minutes. And and that's in second rank, we have Newcastle and then Fulham. Okay. All right. Biggest loser of this category in offense is Liverpool with 0.27 points and Southampton and Everton follow with 0.11 and 0.08 points losses respectively. I mean, yeah, as you can see, pretty much United-Liverpool game is the biggest surprise of the week for data and market seems to react very strongly. So let's see if United can continue this, well, optimist look from the market. What do you think about these buzz? Yeah, I mean, it, I think it all makes sense. Uh, United, you know, they showed a great response on Monday, uh, both to their coach and also to the home fans. I think Ten Hag, he took a risk, leaving out some of the big-name players like Maguire and Ronaldo. But at the same time, uh, yeah, I believe also everyone agreed <laughs> that it was the right thing to do. 
And the players who were on the pitch, they put in a massive performance, proving that the coach was right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was just one game, though. So let's see uh, how they will do in the next one. It's away to Southampton. So it could be a good fixture for another strong performance. Um, looking at some players, I think Bruno was really impressive. He, he was working hard for the team. And uh, Sancho and Rashford reminded us again that they can be good options in, in the midfield. And in the attack, it was really promising to see Marshall back uh, after his injury. And he, he, yeah, he did really well. So that could be one to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Liverpool, we, we covered already. I think one thing I, that also stood out to me is that they have really few options now on the bench. Partially, it's related to injuries and suspensions, of course. Um, you know, it will be a different case once uh, Jota and, and Darwin are back. But for the short term, I think it's a concern. Yeah. Like they were 2-0 down yesterday. They had to look for goals. But Klopp, he could only bring in players like Fabinho, uh, Tsimikas and Carvalho. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, the goal came after a shot from Carvalho, which which was got blocked. But overall, it looks like a concern to me. They uh, they might have to probably add another attacking player in the squad while the market is still open. But, yeah, let's let's see what they will do. And when is the market closing again? Uh, end of this month, end of August. Okay. Yeah, not much time left to. No, no. Still though, a little bit, yeah, a little bit more than a week. Yeah. Something to keep in mind, I think, uh, when considering uh, wild cards. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's talk about optimal plans now. Um, I assume quite some people will be using their wild cards, even though I, at the same time, you know, don't panic. I would say after one bad game week. And also keep in mind that the transfer market is still open, as, as we just mentioned, until end of the month. So, yeah, if you if you wildcard later, then you might have a few more options to consider. But, yeah, but for the people who are wildcarding now, sort of, how would you choose your team? I checked the optimal squad last night uh, using the current projection data. And current optimal lineup is Sanchez in goal, uh, Kukurea, James, Alexander-Arnold, Cancelo, in defense, Martinelli, Mount, Salah in midfield, and Jesus, okay. Mitrovic, and Holland in the forward. That's the optimal lineup. Hmm. Um, well, the good thing is it's only four. It has only four different players than I currently have. Interestingly, so and yeah, uh, I also see some familiar names. So that that's giving me uh, hope. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> so Holland versus Kane decision is up to how long you're doing this planning for because Pep mentioned that Haaland won't play all games so you can also see in the data that his projections early projections are high but Mm. his minutes go down significantly so if you want to play safer Kane might be a better pick here but rest of the lineup remains the same I checked with the other settings too By the way, interesting that uh, for the first time you have Sanchez in goal, right? Because I think before the Solvor was each time preferring uh, the premium option. Yeah, that's Ederson. true. That's true. Yeah. yeah, it's strange. I think yeah, it wants to go with a bigger forward this time with you know triple forward to take Mitrovic. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this team generates five. 122.5 projected points over nine game weeks so it is roughly 58 points per game week and the most difficult game week in this horizon will be game week 11 where liverpool plays against manchester ah. city okay um because that game week projected points drops to 48 and i mean it's also very good to see data this way because you can see game week 11 will be hard to navigate uh, if you go with a team like this. So you might need to think about it. Or if you're not using your wildcard right now, and if you have a similar team to what I have mentioned here, time around game week 11 or 10, 11 might be a good time to target for the wildcard. Yeah. So, okay. Now you tell me, Buzz, if you were to wildcard right now, which players would you buy? And before you, you know, talk about it, I should mention that Rodrigo, Perisic, mm-hmm. Trippier, Tony, mm-hmm. Saliba, and Zaha are being bought by many FPL managers. Last night, Rodrigo was at 660k and Zaha is at 
211k. So it's <laughs> mind-boggling how many people are buying them. You yeah. know, this game week. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, they both have done well the first three game weeks, so I think that that explains it. But uh, yeah, I mean, wild cards difficult to say without having put all the time in it, which I would be doing if I would be wild carding for real. Mm-hmm. But I, I can mention a few options I have in mind. I think for the goalkeeper position, I like what Ramsdale has done for me so far. He's pretty reliable. But indeed, for a bit less money, there's also Sanchez, who you also had in your uh, optimal team. Mm-hmm. And he has done really well. Uh, Brighton looked really good in defense. So it could definitely be an option to save some money and still have a very reliable goalkeeper. In defense, I probably will stick to my two city options with Cancelo and Walker. I would keep one Chelsea option. Uh, but as I mentioned, I'm not so sure if I would stick to the Liverpool guys for the short term. Yeah. Alternative options could certainly be trippier. But yeah, I would also look at players from Brighton, Wolves, Brentford, I think as well. And if I wouldn't have Ramsdale, then of course I would have. Uh, I would need to have an Arsenal defender like maybe Sinchenko or Saliba or, or Gabriel. Um, in midfield, Martinelli seems to be a no-brainer at the moment. Mm-hmm. He's a very popular pick. Same for Rodrigo. He's hard to avoid. Um, yeah, especially him. He's he's basically playing out of position as a striker in the Leeds team. And, you know, he's, he's in really top form, showing a lot of confidence. And I think the same is for Harrison in Leeds. He also looked really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the 8 million spot, players like Mount and Saka, yeah, they didn't do much yet. While Kulu and Madison are doing much better. And yeah, I would certainly consider Gundogan, who we also mentioned already. And for the premium option, it's difficult to go without Salah. I mean, you mentioned it as well. It is a risk. But on the other hand, looking at how De Bruyne is doing, yeah, I think you could shift from Salah to De Bruyne if you want to have some kind of different option. It's probably, I think, a low risk. Um, and yeah, it could even reward you. The one that is really disappointing so far, of course, is Son at a high price point and uh, currently not delivering any points. So, yeah, looking at these options, I think one interesting um, formation to look at is is to focus more on attack. I think we just discussed it as well. Still keeping also strong defense, but probably then uh, shifting funds from the midfield. So maybe like a 5-2-3 or a 4-3-3 formation. In midfield, you could probably go with Salah, Martinelli, Rodrigo. So, you know, one premium, two cheap ones, and then move the funds to the attack where we have so many good options. And that's actually a question I have for you, Sertal, because, mm-hmm. you know, I have Kane. Um, a lot of people have Haaland. So they are scoring goals, but, you know, so are doing uh, others like Mitro, Tony, you name them. So how long should we stick to the premium options? And isn't it better to just spread funds at some moment? over you know to 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 the cheaper ones and yeah when i was thinking about it i think of course we need to keep in mind that we just had only three game weeks and i think the reason why kane is expensive is that he has proven to be able uh you know a, a goal scorer <laughs> for a full season yeah. while other players might have good runs but can be less consistent and uh, if we talk about this i yeah i i have antonio in mind who had a really strong start <laughs> last year True. But then after that, kind of just stop scoring. And uh, there was actually a question on Twitter about this as well from FPL Crisis. Uh, he says that if you look at the top scoring team at the moment, it has a value of 97.5 million and it's in a 3-4-3 formation. So yeah, potentially we can kill the premium talk and we can also avoid spending big up top. So how do you see this sir top? I understand that highest scoring squad costs 97.5 right now, but I mean, yeah. hindsight optimal, as I call it, unfortunately rarely helps us because yeah. um, we try to play the game with probabilities and percentages of having a clean sheet, scoring a goal, getting an assist. And yeah. premium players, as you have mentioned, usually have the highest chance among others uh, yeah. like consistently. I mean, Kane, yeah. as you have mentioned, I mean, he always have a good projected point. Salah, yeah. the same way. De Bruyne, yeah. the same. So how much yeah. do you need to sacrifice to get the premium? Because obviously, when you get a premium option, then you need to sacrifice in other parts of your team. Yeah. Um, premium is usually not a good option, usually, I'm saying. Mm. And it depends on the difference in 
average projected points or expected value, uh, as we call it, in other parts of your team as well. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I was comparing premium plans with, you know, single premium or, you know, double premium like I have yeah. right now. And so you need to see how much difference between those options to come up with the optimal team. All right. Thanks for covering that one. Mm -hmm. um, as we're going into questions, we just covered one. So let's shift to some others. Uh, we received uh, several again on Twitter. So thanks for that. That's uh, FPL Gerald who asking... Um, uh, what do you think is the optimal time to use the solver? The predictions change day by day. So depending on when you use the solver, you may get different results. So how do you use it in this case, Sertop? Yeah, that was, a, that was my biggest problem in previous seasons. Uh, if you are using an optimization solver, it depends on what the capabilities are. I have recently added a team value aspect based on the well team value I have mm -hmm. uh, at the time of the wildcard. So, and we also have talked briefly about this in the last episode. So, my solver is able to get the you know predicted player uh, price drops and rises so that it can calculate if I'm losing any points in future. So, I was able to sell netto just before the price drop because of it. Uh -huh. So as okay. you see, I mean, depending on how serious you are, you can either solve it before the deadline, like mm -hmm. I was mostly doing in my first two seasons, or even if your solver doesn't have the capability or the functionality, you can still try to solve it every day to see which player it is suggesting to you. And mm -hmm. if you're not going to be priced out later, um, you can always check the second best solution. So solve it once, Right. get the suggestion and then you know force that player out or Bennett solve it again you will have two plans you will all right get suggested yeah. two different players to buy and you can yeah. check the difference between them in terms of the expected value if it is not yeah. significant and if one of the players is going about to go up in the price then you can decide if he's worth the weight or not or if yeah. he's worth you know moving early or not so it's kind of a subjective decision too, because some sometimes you're like, yeah, I I want this player for sure. If I right. get priced out, I will be upset. So I want yeah. to buy him. But yeah, the best thing to do is, I mean, especially if you, if you are following the price changes, just yeah. check the top two options at least, or maybe three options. But yeah. yeah. So <laughs> while I was thinking about this question, then I realized, you know. I can do these things very quickly, like just one click on the solver and it it shows the top three options. But mm -hmm. how about from a from the perspective of a manager who doesn't use solvers? But like, do yeah. you still check prices every day and then try to do planning, or are you kind of waiting until deadline ish? Yeah, it's a difficult one because basically I don't want to check it every day. You know, it's also quite nice to just switch off sometimes. At least that's my opinion. I uh, <laughs> I would I try to take a break from FPL sometimes for a couple of days. But uh, but if you're really serious about it, then you kind of are forced to look at the daily trends, right? You don't want to be caught by surprise uh, with a price change. I mean, take players like Rodrigo or Martinelli who have gone up in price already several times. Um, so yeah, if you have a transfer in mind, but you wait until the end of the week, it could well be that the transfer isn't possible anymore. Um, and of course, yeah, there will always be alternative options, but still, I think talking about optimal scenario, it's unfortunately needed to, to check the price daily. Um, and especially the information on the expected rises and, and drops, huh? so that you're, uh, that you're not surprised by it. All right, well, let's move to the next question. And the next question is from uh, Joris Beckers. It's Unravel Sports on Twitter. And he asked two questions. And the first one is about keeping some kind of flexibility in mind when you create your team. For example, he says, having an 8 million midfielder makes it possible to easily move around between options. He's asking if something like this can be considered in a model and how many expected points you might have to be willing to sacrifice to have more degree of freedom, as he called it. So yeah, let's answer this part of the question first before we look at the second question. Sure, Joris is asking difficult question and he was always asking me difficult questions in direct messages. So, well, 
I tried to capture degrees of freedom by adding some incentive points to the players based on the next available players in their price range. For example, for okay. 8 million midfielders, what I have done is I multiplied their projected points by 80% and remaining 20% comes from the second best player and then the third best player and then the fourth best player I can uh, replace this player with. So as you see, if you have really good options, then mm -hmm. your projected point won't change too much. Maybe, you know, drop just a little bit. But for some other players who doesn't have a good alternative, their right. projected points will get penalized heavily. So mm. this was kind of my approach to, uh, you know, model the degrees of freedom, you know, giving some kind of reward to players who have good backup options and penalizing right. those others who doesn't have. Right. And so if you do it, of course, the optimal solution changes and how many expected value needs to be sacrificed because after you do this, optimal solution will change. But in terms of the original metrics, you it will look like you are losing some expected value. Hmm. So that's a difficult question because for wildcard purposes, I think you can find a pretty good team with plenty of you know degrees of freedom within around... I should say 0 0.5 points loss per game week. So okay. if you are playing for eight game week horizon, you can sacrifice around four points in EV. But mm. as I mentioned, so if you change the metric a little bit, the optimal will change. So you don't need to even think about the or you know how much points you are losing in the original projected points, in my opinion. But okay. my typical cutoff for any manual decisions. So if mm. I'm if I have if I have a kind of a logic on choosing a player or you know players, yeah. my typical cutoff is one percent or two percent away from optimal at most. So if the optimal is giving me two hundred as objective score, then yeah. just two percent, so four points is maximum I would li like to be away at. Okay, okay. understood. Thanks mm -hmm. for that. And then the second question from him, I think it's probably not easier. <laughs> it's again a <laughs> difficult one. Uh, it's related to expected value and risk taking. So he says that in his team, he focused mostly on picking nailed players, while in the solver, there were some teams with a higher expected value, but with less nailed players like Bailey and Perisic. So his question is how many expected points you would be willing to trade off for the potential risk of players not starting? Yeah. Expected value trade-off questions are always a little bit tricky. Yours is pretty much on point with this line of thinking, though, because, mm. you know, most people think, you know, when you use a solver, you just solve it and then, you know, whatever it gives you, you just do it. As we see mm. here, there are some kind of manual decisions you need to do. And so how much projected points can you sacrifice to include a non-quantitative aspect such as nailedness? Or, you know, having more flexible formation. That's pretty yeah. much what I did at the beginning of the season because it was giving me triple city defenders. Uh, right. But I limited it by, by two city defenders so that I can have a way to get Foden or Holland if, you know, I need to buy them in future game weeks. And, yeah. well, sure enough, in game week two, suddenly I had to buy Holland because his price was going up and Kane was losing yeah. value. So... And five, and he, in his question, he also mentioned about five three two. I think it was a good plan, and more, many analytics managers followed it, and they uh -huh. still do use it. Um, so one option I have in Solver is to round projected points by zero point one or sometimes zero point twenty five. Um, it makes solutions with tiny differences equal to each other because if Salah is projected to get six point six, for example, it rounds it down to 6.5 um, so that it makes okay. it easier to compare some of other plans because then you will get a couple of different plans with almost the same expected value then you can include some of those you know non-quantitative or non-quantifiable information into your decision making so it makes it easier mm -hmm. because otherwise if you see that you are losing 0 0.01 expected value sometimes we get too obsessed about it and then you are yeah. losing some of the information yeah that's um, true yeah by the way i also asked the same question in 
Tivitor, I ask, when do you sacrifice expected value? Have you done it in game mm-hmm. week one? Uh, to our listeners and get these answers on Twitter, so I would like to mention them here. Um, McCondor uh, on Twitter said, I have no issue leaving some EV on the table when there are effective ownership concerns. As amazing Hmm. as the models are, they aren't perfect or totally precise. Hmm. And Carl Isgren said, I avoid new players if I think the data isn't robust enough. Hmm. Kartik Subramanian said, I have sacrificed EV on assets that are not yet settled in terms of projected minutes, for example, Perisic, or teams that are not in sync like Hmm. Chelsea. Okay. Littlefinger FPL said, I have sacrificed EVs in situations where I felt there is high upside for a player low on expected value. Not too okay. much though. This also mm-hmm. depends on the structure too. I went with a 4-4-2 rather than 5-3-2 at the start of the season, which resulted in a low EV. Hmm. And... Finally, FPL Tempo said, not in the early phase of the season, there is not enough data to justify the risk. Thanks for everyone who took time to answer. I think the decisions we make are very subjective as we have asymmetrical information about the teams, players, and we have certain beliefs that others not necessarily have about the players, Mm. teams, you know, formations, approaches, and... I mean, there is no right or wrong answer to these questions. You know, how much EV do you need to sacrifice to get the best formation, whatever? Because like FPL is at the end of the day, lots of luck is involved in it. Uh, but yeah, I loved reading how people approach the decision making and when do they sacrifice, when they do sacrifice expected value for other aspects. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move to the next question. It's from Ian, FPL underscore strategic. And he has a question about Tottenham. Um, I think he is wondering if the assets are still worth owning. Because according to him, they seem to be a little bit cooler than the end of last season. Is it maybe due to a small sample size, he's asking. So what is your perspective on Tottenham? Tottenham looks pretty solid in terms of defensive numbers. I think mm. for game week four, for example, their defense projected point sum is 29.1, which is the highest this game week. So okay. it's partly because of their formation for sure, but it went from 27.9 to 21.1 in a week. Mm. So we can say that there is a higher confidence in their defense now. Okay. I mean, Kane is obviously a great pick from Tottenham. So... I mean, the short answer mm. to this question is yes, especially defenders. And City game is coming up on game week seven, though. So if you are, in case you are thinking about buying them, because you might try to bench them if possible, uh, yeah. game week seven, because their projected points are very low. For example, Perisic, um, projected points for City game is 1.8. It means that, yeah. you know, we're not. Models is not hoping Persich to get a clean sheet and then mm. probably no attacking return too. So it's, yeah, very low. Okay. So overall, Tottenham still worth keeping, but just keep an eye on game week seven because that's when they play City. Mm-hmm. All right, next question from Alvin Blocks. And he is asking about the Liverpool defense. I think we covered it already a little bit. Yeah. Um, he's also saying they conceded uh, in the last seven Premier League matches. Um, so, yeah, what should we do with our Liverpool assets? And also, let's say in the attack, he says Salah might be a hold, but I'm not convinced on Diaz or Trent. So what do you make of it? Yeah, we covered quite a bit. Um, yeah, I don't know where to start with Liverpool again, but, uh, well, the model was asking to sell Robertson for people who have Robertson in their team and get Diaz instead. Yeah. And I will keep an eye on how Diaz and Trent projected points will change, but I assume, yeah, it will stay pretty solid. And this game will be a very good game week to see, you know, what will happen because I'm in Bournemouth, doesn't have a very good offense rating and yeah. we can have a healthier assessment after this game week i would say and keeping yeah. them is probably better this game week anyway yeah i think so too with with this fixture in mind mm-hmm. 
All right, let's take one more question as it covers your favorite team, I think. It's Everton. Um, <laughs> you mentioned last week that the solver recommended Gray, but I noticed you ended up going with Gordon, uh, which is a bit of a pity, as Gray could have given you nine points. Mm-hmm. And FPL underscore AR07, he was actually a happy Gray owner, um, but he's asking now how the projections look like. And uh, if he doesn't keep him, then what is the optimal exit route? Yeah, sure. Well, Everton is killing me every season. And <laughs> well, the the reason why I went with Gordon is because cl- closer to when I gave my decision, I checked and Gray's projected minutes was dropping a little bit. And okay. Gordon, Gordon seemed like a safer bet than gray in terms of the minutes so i said yeah why would i take a minute risk i should go with gordon even though Mm -hmm. gray had a better points per 90 minute value uh yeah gordon couldn't get a return unfortunately but the exit strategy for 5.5 mids is really weird i should say (laughs) <laughs> um, model thinks Neto or McAllister are good options to go if you have one free transfer. Uh-huh. Um, if you can wait uh, two more games, you can probably have two free transfers. You can roll in one of the game weeks. Yeah. Then you can probably downgrade another player and upgrade Gray to a higher, uh, well, upgrade Gray to a higher tier in terms of price. Yeah. Yeah. I think it might be the case, especially if you are thinking to drop an expensive defender player like we have mentioned. So no yeah. easy exit route, unfortunately, for this price range. Yeah. So it should be based on who you can downgrade. One option, and you mentioned that too, Bas, is downgrading your premium forward to Tony or Mitrovic, which will right. give you plenty of budget to upgrade other parts of the team. Yeah. Yeah, especially Mitrovic, he looks really confident and he's so dangerous with his headers. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, it will be a good option going forward. All right, well, thanks. I think time is up for today as we aim to keep our podcast quite concise, which isn't so easy. <laughs> thanks again for sending in your questions. If we couldn't cover your question today, we will still try to answer it next week. Next week is actually a difficult one because there is a midweek deadline on Tuesday, which normally is our recording day. So we'll have to see how we'll manage it. We could either record on a Monday to cover game week five and six, or maybe we record on Thursday to record to cover game week six and seven. Let's see. We'll still have to decide. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll see when the new episode is out or follow us on Twitter. For Surtop, it's at Surtop below. And for me, it's at BelfiBB. Wishing you all a great game week four. And until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>